0: Welcome all sports fans, everyone across the nation. Thank you, whether you're listening in your car or you're at work or you're just at home chilling, I appreciate it. This is Uneducated Sports Talk, the podcast, episode number 14. I'm your host, Carlos Clayton, and y'all, it's getting real. Uh, I've been up and down sick every now and then uh, for the last two weeks, so I I apologize for not doing this, but guess what? I'm back. We're going to break it all down, episode number 14. We got a lot to recap. A lot to recap. I I missed out on the Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury fights and the pregame stuff and all that. I missed out on some XFL talk. The season starting. Uh, I missed out on, on talking about uh, the NBA All Star game and how that was amazing. The last. Um, I missed out on uh, you know all kind of things, man. Sabrina Inescu's uh, uh, magical historical event. That 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 came through, man. Um, I missed out on all that, so I'm here to break all that down. It's gonna be a long episode. So you want to hear about sports and you want to hear recaps what's going on? This is the place to be. Thank you, guys. I get like I said, this is Uneducated Sports Talk, the podcast, episode number fourteen. I'm also on Facebook Live for those who want to. If you're wondering why I'm talking to certain people, I'm on Facebook Live as well, so you know how that goes down, man. But this is the podcast. Before we get started, check me out on iTunes, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Uneducated Sports Talk Podcast is on Google, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that, man. So I'm in there. Let's go. Let's get with it, bro. First off, let's recap the NBA All Star Game. What a great event Chicago held! When you talk about from the Skills Challenge to the NBA Slam Dunk to the three-point contest to the NBA All-Star Game itself, it was probably the best all-around event. Outside of Dwayne Wade cheating out Aaron Gordon, uh, let's just keep it real, that's what happened. (laughs) But outside of that going on, the NBA All-Star experience in Chicago was amazing. Especially with the rule, the tribute to Kobe Bryant. Uh, If you didn't know how the rules went, basically it went by quarters one through three, and whoever won each quarter, they won charity, uh, won money for their charity, um, so you had basically the NBA uh, uh, West All-Stars, uh, not West, but NBA LeBron, might as well call it the West All-Stars, they had a lot of the West guys on there, and Giannis had a lot of the East guys, but uh, Team LeBron won 157 to 155 in a thriller, yes, I said a thriller in the NBA All-Star game, so... I know it's kind of hard to swallow, but yeah, it was a, actually a great game, and it actually meant something per quarter. It meant something. You had coaches drawing up plays, and they're literally drawing up plays to win the quarter, to win their team's uh, money for their charity. It was like it was that exciting. Uh, in the fourth quarter, all we want from an all-star game, the major thing is we don't want anyone getting hurt. That's the main priority. But at the same time, we want to see some sort of Okay, here we go. Let's get it towards the end. In the fourth quarter, all we ask for is a close game and some, not a lot, but some competitive spirit. And we got that in this All-Star Game. And if you want the epitome or what an All-Star Game should actually look like or be a part in the All-Star Game, excuse me, this was the game. You have your flashy dunks you have your amazing shots you have your uh you know uh buzzer beater half court shots from Trey Young uh you had uh you wanted it close and so what happened was when when all three quarters are done they added all three points uh, all three quarter points up and whoever was winning you had to score twenty four more points you know what I'm saying you had to score twenty four more points to get to that uh, the destination and that destination was 157 points. So basically, now you have no no shot clock. I mean, a uh, no game clock. Excuse me. You had a shot clock, but no game clock. So now it's all whoever gets to 157 first is the winner. And I love that idea. And I promise you. It's here to stay for a long time. They made the All-Star Game um, honor go to Kobe Bryant. Whoever won the All-Star MVP was going to be the Kobe Bryant uh, award. And that went to Kawhi Leonard for 30 points. But Team LeBron won 157 to Team Giannis' 155. And uh, I'm telling you, what an exciting game. The NBA did something special. And that's what we want we don't want to these guys playing hard four quarters in a row because we want to see the spectacular dunks. We want to see people throwing lives. We want to see the three points. Uh, who can score a lot of threes in a, in a quick stretch? We want to see all that. Then on occasions we want to see some one on ones that we don't see throughout the regular season. And when you had LeBron versus Giannis towards the end, uh, James Harden versus uh, um. You know, versus I'm trying to think who was on the uh, Trey Young and Trey Young versus James Harden. That kind of we wanted to see that stuff. We wanted to see Kawhi Leonard um, versus Donovan Mitchell, stuff like that. And we got those events that happened. But then we wanted a competitive fourth quarter, and what so we got a competitive fourth quarter. What I saw guy Kyle Lowry was taking charges. My man was taking charges. I have never seen anyone take a charge in the NBA All Star Game in my life. That's what. That's exactly what happened. Man took a charge. Uh, you had fouls, you had good defense the last, uh, you know, once it got tight and it got real tight pretty quick. Cause, uh, team Giannis was up by nine points, pretty much had control somewhat, but then when it got real team LeBron, who pretty much had all the stars, you talk about LeBron, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, all on the same team. Uh, you have those guys. Uh, balling and they came back and start and won it. Kawhi Leonard is your MVP, the first ever recipient to the Kobe Bryant uh, award. Um, a great tribute, it was just a wonderful tribute to Kobe Bryant the whole entire weekend. Matter of fact, great tribute to the city of Chicago as well. Uh, but a great game. And I and look, I'm glad they honored the Kobe because Kobe could look down and say, you know what. That's how I like my All Star games. That's how I like it. I think Kobe Bryant would have definitely approved of this. I believe this is going to stay uh, for a long time. I think this is how it should be. I know they're, doing, they're going to do some testing to see if they should do that, like for game, for like real life games, um, NBA games. Uh, it'll be fun-ish, but you know, I still like my buzzer beaters with the, you know, the game clock going down from. <laughs> starting from 12 minutes all the way to 0 seconds. I kind of like that, but it, it it wouldn't bother me and it wouldn't shock me if they eventually went that route to actually go with the uh the shot clock done. I mean, excuse me, the game clock done. No and, and uh, uh no game clock and just go to a certain score. They might do the whole 24 point thing. You know that would be very interesting. I heard they're gonna try it in the G League. They'll probably do it in some uh Division Three college or something like that, maybe high school somewhere. Try that out, see how it works. But I like that because it gives you some kind of like drama. You know, there's no <laughs> there's no game uh there's no game clock. So you got to get to this certain point. You just can't drill the ball out and you know be done with it. No, you have to get to a certain score. And I kinda like that idea that they would do that. Um so, if they, if we can see this happen for this All-Star game and so forth and so forth, it could eventually go to the NBA regular season. In my mind, I'm thinking that's going to probably take some some years. It's going to take years. So, uh, we don't know about that. But Team LeBron, uh, who had the more superstars. But I like that Team Giannis. I like that Giannis himself just wasn't going for the big names. I like the fact that Giannis went for guys that, uh, who weren't really... Talked about the Bam Adebayo's. Um, he had uh, Pascal Siakam, and they still made a hell of a game out of this uh, with the Trey Youngs. And I mean, it was a great game. I was in awe, literally in awe of how good this NBA All Star game was. And I've never said that. I mean, the best one we had. I was probably in the mid two thousand with AI and Kobe and those guys. Maybe the early two thousand. Excuse me, two thousand two, two thousand three, something like that. That was probably one of the best All Star games, man, because. And it wasn't really that competitive. It was just really good towards the end. It kind of felt like something towards the end. But this particular game, now it gives you reason because you have to go to a particular score. And now with guys, there's no more West versus East guys picking people. And you start picking guys. Well, now you're like, oh, I picked that guy for a reason. Oh, he didn't pick me? Well, guess what? I'm going to show him why he didn't pick me. And now these guys have something to prove when it comes down to the actual game. So I like that. And I'm not mad at all. I hope the NBA continues to go that route. I hope they continue to um, uh, go down that route for the All-Star game to make it more competitive. That was a great idea. There was some, you know, guys like, well, why can't they change up the Pro Bowl for the NFL? Man, look here, bro. That's a totally different monster. The Pro Bowl is never going to change when it comes down to AFC versus NFC and what they do in that particular game. It will never, ever change, ever. The, the risk of injury is too high. Nobody wants to get hurt on a game that doesn't count in the NFL. I promise you that. And the risk of getting hurt, it, it goes up significantly in an NFL game than an NBA exhibition game. So, I mean, tell you, if you want got to take it serious, good luck. That's not about to happen unless you're throwing out millions of dollars to the winning team. Outside of that, no one's going to take it seriously. They're out there having a good time with their families. Uh, And they're happy that they survived the season, and they don't want to get hurt on an exhibition game. I I don't blame them. I don't want to get hurt in an exhibition game as well. A game that doesn't count? Like, nah. I mean, so no, no one's taking that seriously. It's going to take years. They might just go to 7-on-7. Or, in my opinion, I say get rid of the game entirely because it's a boring fest. It's a snooze fest. No one cares about it. I don't care about it. I only watch to see Drew Brees play his little, uh, you know, one or two uh, uh, sets. And then I'm, I'm done with it, to be honest, if you want to be extremely honest about that. So, <clears throat> I, I don't know, man. The Pro Bowl is never going to change. There's no way. It's either going to be what it is or it's going to be done. But the NBA All-Star Game is a little different. And I'm glad they did some things. Like NHL hockey, they went ahead, went ahead and made it three on three. I like that. Faster pace, more goals, more uh, uh, shot attempts, and it gets the fans excited. All-Star game, there's no win or loss when it comes down to your regular season record. So why not have fun with it? The Pro Bowl, you can't have fun with guys hitting each other or, in in this case for the Pro Bowl, not hitting each other in the football game. So, gonna have a snooze fashion. (laughs) It is what it is. Um... But I do like what they did. NHL kind of did it first. Uh, even Major League Baseball is kind of getting to that. We're gonna pick guys, hand pick ourselves now from you know, certain teams. I like that. It makes it more fun, more interesting. I'm also glad that MLB stopped doing whoever won the All Star Game uh, goes to the uh, uh, that that side represents home field for the uh, playoffs. No, I hated that. I hated that from the get go. I understand why they tried to because Major League Baseball you want to make it more enticing no matter how you can get, but that's kind of being a little too drastic. An exhibition game shouldn't count towards a regular season, and that's what baseball did, which was smart. I just didn't like it because, like, it's an exhibition game. We should be having fun. So NBA All-Star game, if I did it right, I'm happy for those guys. Happy for Kawhi Leonard, who scored 30 uh, big points in that. Happy for Giannis and LeBron, who uh, were a big part of why it's such a great game. Happy for the atmosphere. Chicago had a great atmosphere uh, out there in the NBA All-Star weekend. So, uh, shout-out to uh, Bam Adebayo for uh, winning the skills contest. Shout-out to uh, um, uh, Buddy Hill for winning the three-point contest for Sacramento Kings. Shout-out to uh, Jones Jr. for winning the NBA Slam Dunk Contest. Even though I do say Aaron Gordon should have won. Or it should have been a tie thanks to Dwayne Wade. He's just having a rough couple, you know, rough couple weeks for Dwayne Wade, but we're not gonna go on that. So, uh, but we'll see. Uh, they should continue this, and I, I'm, I'm gonna enjoy it. So, uh, we'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. We're gonna break down some Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury in just a moment. This is Uneducated Sports Talk the podcast. I'm your host, Episode Number 14. Coming right back. This is Angie Ray from Angie Ray Productions, and you are listening to the Uneducated Sports Talk with Carlos. Welcome back, sports fans. This is Uneducated Sports Talk, the podcast, episode number 14. I'm your host, Carlos Clayton. Back at it again. We just broke down the NBA All-Star Game. Now we're gonna break down a little bit of boxing. It's our first time really talking about boxing on here. And like I said, I've been sick. And if you live in the Louisiana area or even the Texas area, if you know about South east Texas and southwest Louisiana. The weather is very unforgiving. I mean, I literally just had an 85-degree Wednesday or Tuesday. Well, I want to say it was Wednesday. 85-degree Wednesday afternoon and then you wake up to uh, 32-degree Thursday morning. So it's been like that forever. Everyone's just getting sick when it comes down to this weather. Uh, So it really got me and I work outside, so I've been really uh, feeling it. So if you ever do one of these (coughs) So today I had to cough for real, so I had to make it real slick. But um, if you do that, man, I'm telling you, it's going to uh, it's gonna hurt you. It's going to hurt you. So <laughs> I'm trying not to, uh, you know, cough on you guys for real. But I was trying to do a Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury pregame show or uh, pregame talk, and it just didn't happen. I was just too sick. But now we all know what happened. I'm here to break down the actual fight, to recap it, man. And what a wild wild event we had Deontay Wilder coming in at 42 0 and 1 versus Tyson Fury coming in at 29 0 and 1 you knew that these guys were going to come out there and bang heads again we didn't understand what was going to actually happen but we knew what well, we thought it would be a really good fight ladies and gentlemen I picked Deontay Wilder to win I said he would win by ninth round I said KO. I was like, Cause you're not going to TKO them, man. You're going to KO them. You got to. And boy, I couldn't have been more wrong. As about maybe 80% of America as well. Uh, we were super, super dead wrong about this fight. It's crazy. When you looked at them coming into their, their uh, you know, coming into the, um, you know, their, their weighing themselves. And In the first fight, uh, Wilder was 212 pounds. Lean, real small. You know how he did his thing. And then, oh, of course, uh, regardless, uh, Fury's going to be the bigger man. He was about two, two um, 256, I believe. And that's big. He's a big dude. 6'8", six, 6'9", six, 256. Well, guess what? The whole entire time, Fury said, I'm going to knock this guy out. I'm knocking him out in the second round. We didn't believe it was going to happen, but at the same time, we didn't believe he was going to knock Deontay Wilder out. We just saw Wilder, like, he has a great chin, and I mean, he, he, he has that big cannon of a right hand, and he has a great chin. And we just figured, put two and two together, 12 rounds of them fighting, well, guess what? Wilder's going to knock him down at least uh, one or two times. We figured that. And we couldn't have been more wrong. When I say Tyson Fury punished this man and won by a seventh round TKO, if I were to tell you that before the fight started, you would laugh me out the building that's exactly what happened ladies and gentlemen we saw I gotta say it an ass kicking we saw an ass kicking and it came courtesy of Tyson Fury he showed no mercy Um, he went up and wait and so did Deontay Wilder Deontay said well if I want to knock him out and keep him there permanently I'm going to go from 212 to 231 Tyson Fury said if I want to knock him down or knock him out, I got to put more weight. And when you say, man, two, 273, that is heavy. But if you saw Tyson Fury, he looked like he was in the best shape of his life. At 273 pounds in the ring. Best shape of his life. All he did was maul De- uh, Deontay Wilder down. He mauled him down. It's almost like this. I always tell jokes to my kids. I say, hey. I said, uh, or oh, to my friends. We were talk about some. I said, you ever seen a, a, a Chihuahua and a Rottweiler? I got it from uh, uh, Friday at the next. And, uh, you know, and uh, I said, you ever seen a, 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 a Chihuahua and a Rottweiler fight? Or a Pitbull fight? And they say, nah. I said, me neither. But I know it ain't pretty. And this fight was exactly what happened. And the Rottweiler or the Pitbull or the Big Dog was Tyson Fury and the Chihuahua or the Poodle or whatever them little cute little ugly dogs is called. Uh, that's. Deontay Wilder. He looked like, even gaining 7 uh, 19, he gained more weight than Fury gained weight. He still looked like the smaller guy. And in the first round, hey, it went to Fury. It was a good round. In the second round, it went to Wilder. Man, it was a good round. That was all she wrote for Deontay Wilder from round three to seven when the, the uh when this guy threw in the towel, he was Molly Watt. And his legs gave out on him quickly. Quick we have never seen his legs go out like that. And that's when when the knockdown went down and it was kind of behind his head. I understand his frustration from that, but still, you gotta keep moving. Why would you fall down from that? You know? I'm like, yeah, you got hit kind of behind your head, but you still fell down from it. So that let me know that, you know, whatever. I mean, he's got the upper hand. Tyson Fury, all he did was maul Deontay Wilder. From round 1 through 7. I mean. He put that big 273 pounds. Of just man. On Deontay Wilder. Who couldn't do a damn thing about it. And he was trying. And we all said this. And I've I've said this numerous times. Man. Deontay Wilder is not a trained boxer. He's not a great boxer. He's a fighter. It's a difference. But someone told me. I think it was a... Max Kellerman, I believe, he said, look, in order to box, you got to be able to fight, you know? And one thing about Deontay Wilder, he can fight, and he has that big bazooka of a right hand to bring it to anybody. We saw that. And in the first, the, the first matchup, Ty Fury wouldn't have none of that. He said, why would I give him a chance to actually lock and load that right arm and put it on me? Why would I give him that chance? He was smart. He said, "I'm going to smother him. I'm going to attack him." Tyson Fury actually fired his uh, his uh, first boxing trainers and went to a new training camp. And they, in the training camp, was showing him how to be the attacker, because he's more of uh, the assassin, uh, the great defense, the counter puncher. No, this one, he went in on Deontay Wilder from start to finish, and he backed up everything he said. He backed it up. Great man. And the reason why he's the lineal champion, for those who don't understand what that actually meant, people who who don't really watch boxing or don't know anything about boxing, this man was actually the champion of three belts. Never lost. But, of course, his drug addiction and, uh, you know, his suicide uh, watch was on, and he had to relinquish the belts, but he never lost it by losing to anybody. He lost it because he had to go take care of himself. That's why he was still called or crowned the lineal champion. He was still a champion with no belt. But for those who wonder, why is he called a lineal champion and he has no belt? That is why, because he never lost his belts by being defeated by a human being. No, he lost his belt because he had to pretty much give them away. Tyson Fury came in and Molly Watt, Deontay Watt, and I thought I would never say that ever. I went on Facebook, after the fight was over, it. as all of America, we were all in shock, like, Really? I'm mad because I paid $90 for that pay-per-view, to be honest. And I don't want to see go the distance and be a, you know, a nice matchup. Uh, Deontay Wilder lost, gracious fashion. Uh, he said, hey, he was the better man for the day. Uh, but we'll talk about his excuse in just a minute. The corner, I was telling my good friends. I had a little fight party, and I was telling my friends. I said, hey, it was round six. I said, man, about round eight or round nine, they're going to throw that towel in. They threw it in round seven. Deontay Wilder, we all thought he had his eardrum bust. No, he just had a bad cut. So that's an excuse gone right there. Because usually when you get your eardrum busted, your equilibrium can kind of go off a little bit. I understand that. But his eardrum didn't even get busted. It was just a leak on his ear. A cut on his ear. It's a bad, a bad cut. He got beat. Like, ladies and gentlemen, beat up from start to finish by, I must say, the better boxer. The better fighter. The, uh, Tyson Fury had a game plan, and he stuck with it. Deontay Wilder... Had a game plan, but never had a chance to get it started. That was the difference. Even in the round he won in round two, he looked wobbly. He looked like it was something wrong. So when his corner threw the towel in, in round seven, I was with it. I was like, they got to because my man is getting beat up. And DeAndre Water is a fighter. He's a warrior, and he wants to, like he, like he says, he wants to uh, hold on to his shield. He wants to, you know, he always talks about knocking people out and uh, killing a man inside a ring. He says, so if it happens to me, you know, I don't want to no want throwing a towel. With. I, I talk a lot of trash and I don't want it to seem like a punk. That's basically what he's saying. I talk trash and when I beat up people. I don't want to be a punk by losing by having a towel thrown. So I understand his frustrations. But at the end of the day, the corner was right. If you want a, a third matchup against Fury, you got to be in great shape. You can't be, uh, <laughs> you know, beat up to a bloody pulp. And so his corner did the right thing. The trainer did the right thing. They threw in the towel around seven. There was enough was enough because he just wasn't going to win that matchup. Yeah, you. Yeah, you want to be a warrior, but you also want to, uh, you know, uh, be alive to when you have kids and. For your family to be around and to, you know, actually be around and to notice them and to touch them, to feel them, to love them, to hug them. You want to be that. You don't want to be this this person with these bad concussions and you can't remember nothing and you can't think of nothing. And you don't want to be that guy. So he's going to take him. He's, he's a warrior. and He's a fighter. So it's going to take him some weeks to understand the reason why that happened. And he's going to come to terms with that. And he's going to finally come to terms and be grateful for it. Uh, but I understand his frustration because he is who he is. Uh Tyson Fury man, that's that's a big old dude. And I really don't see like they want to talk about the Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury and I I'd rather see that than to see a third fight with because Deontay got whooped up so bad. Whooped up so bad that I just don't want to see a fight, but he wants to fight in the summertime. And I mean I don't blame him. I mean if you want to get rid of demons, you gotta go for it ASAP. Let's get let's get it. Let's get it. You don't wanna keep waiting and waiting and waiting. So, I understand that, but it's going to be real tough uh, for me to picture Deontay Wilder going back into that ring and finding a different way to win that matchup. I don't see that, because uh, in most people's eyes, Tyson Fury won that first matchup if it wasn't for those knockdowns and that, that that KO that should have been, but like The Undertaker, Tyson Fury just boom, you know, with the, the, uh, the, the dong, he just popped up, you know, without that, Tyson Fury probably wins that match. Uh, so really is almost like Tyson Fury is 2-0 against Deontay Wilder. So, I don't want to see a third matchup. It becomes that quickly. I would rather see Anthony Joshua versus uh, Tyson Fury pack it up in Wembley Stadium, uh, 115,000 crazy fans, and then you got something going on. Both guys make buku money, and then basically the loser will face uh, uh, Deontay Wilder. I would like to see that, but like every single champion... From Muhammad Ali to uh, George Foreman to Mike Tyson to Holyfield, Lennox Lewis. All those great heavyweights have suffered a defeat from one person to another. They've all suffered defeats. And for the most part, they've all come back and rose from the occasion uh, to reclaim the title. Uh, So, Deontay Wilder is one of those guys who could easily come back and reclaim his title. But he's got to be focused. Now, here's what I wanted to laugh at. So, the next day we all saw his interest coming in first of all, two great interests i I enjoyed it. I like the theatrical uh stuff that boxing does that u f c does. I like the fact that the gypsy king came out and his king in his in his robe and he he was walked down uh you know king style. I enjoyed that i I actually enjoyed. Uh, Deontay Wilder coming in In his black on black suit With the red eyes flashing And um, he had a, I, forgot, uh, I forgot the guy's name That was rapping man But he just won some kind of contest But a great song talk about black heritage Black power Black magic I like that Black habits uh, So you know Deontay Wilder's for the people Of African American uh, descent So I understood that But If you saw the Power Ranger uh, I call it Xena Warrior Princess Uh, build he had on it it looked weird, but I understood what he was trying to do. But to come out, and it was, I was kind of mind boggled when he went out there and basically said, Look, the suit was heavy, it was about 40 pounds, and he had to walk a long distance. So he said, That 40 pounds on me walking for about what felt like a mile. He said, I got into the ring and I was hurting. My legs was hurting. And you can kind of believe that a little bit. I thought there was a, like an undisclosed injury that he had that we didn't know about, but he didn't want to say anything because he's a warrior. But then so I was like, well, maybe there's an excuse that because his legs gave out like literally round two. His legs were gone. But then the, the blame it on the suit, I was like, oh no, dude. Deontay, you can't blame it on the suit. Even if it is true. You can't blame it on the suit, man. Uh he said he wore it. Like a day before. He wore it a day before. And he, and he said it was fine. I guess my adrenaline was pumping. And I'll I put it on for a second. And I guess maybe he didn't, he didn't think about that long walk he had to take. Maybe he could have been like Tyson Fury and got a rolled up King style. Uh, uh, without walking. Tyson Fury got into the ring and had to walk a uh, walk a second. So. Oh uh, man. That, that was tough for me to hear that excuse from Deontay Wilder. Who you better than that man. But uh, I hope it wasn't the suit. Uh, I mean. I, what. Well, Honestly, I hope it was the suit Then maybe we can understand his frustration From having those wobbly legs Something looked off from the beginning That we've never seen in Deontay Wilder Uh, He also mentioned he had uh, personal issues uh, That he was going on That he didn't want to talk about So, look, we don't know what goes on with these guys' lives We don't know that And anything can happen But I hope that he gets his mind together Gets his body back right And he comes out And uh, hopefully we see Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury first And then the loser faces Deontay Wilder I'd prefer to see Anthony Joshua get beat down by Wilder or Fury. (laughs) To be honest, I am not an Anthony Joshua guy. Uh, But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, It was a a great uh, event. It it had so much hype. I've never heard of a boxing match having so much hype. And it had buku crazy hype. So I was excited about that. Every sports channel imaginable, every two or three commercials, had Wilder versus Fury. They made so much money from that uh, fight. I mean, so well done for the sponsors. But all that to for a seven-round TKO with the people throwing the towel, that's very disappointing how it went down. But much love to Tyson Fury. He is the man. He is the uh, the gypsy king. And hopefully he can reclaim all his titles from Anthony Joshua and be back on the throne. All right, the man hasn't lost a, a fight for a reason. So, but calm down on that. Deontay Wilder could beat Mike Tyson stuff. We all know now that was not gonna Mike Tyson would have Mollywap Deontay Wilder. Too much power. Too much power and, and too much power in small spaces. The, uh, a prime Mike Tyson versus a prime Deontay Wilder, prime Mike Tyson knocks them heck out of Deontay Wilder. it, just, it is what it is. Because Wilder does have that right hand, but his boxing is just not that good. Uh and there's no way you can change him. People say he's just concentrate on boxing. Concentrate on his combos. No. The man is 35 years old. Uh, uh, 33, excuse me. 33. It's too late. He is not going to be able to change what he does. He is a fighter, not a boxer. You're not going to change that. It's just way too late. Maybe the loss humbles him. But f- to actually change how you've been your whole entire life boxing? No. That is not about to happen, man. So good luck with that. He's going to go out there and knock some heads out. But to see the combos and uh, he's just going out there moddy whopping people, man. As he got mollowed up in this fight. So, congratulations, Tyson Fury. Uh, we'll be back. We're gonna break down some of Sabrina Ionescu. she has been balling uh for the Oregon Ducks, ladies. So be right back. This is Uneducated Sports Talk Podcast, episode number 14. I'm your host, Carlos Clayton. See y'all in just a second. What's up, guys? I'm Dallas. And I'm Joel. And we are the founders of the IQ Sports Network and co-hosts of Pro Football IQ, the podcast that breaks down the X's and O's of everything happening this week in football. And as podcasters, we're like you. We love listening to podcasts. And i like to tune in to my main man, Carlos, and listen to what he's got to say on all things current and past sports. So if you're looking to get some unbiased sports opinions on everything happening in sports right now, tune in to Uneducated Sports Talk with Carlos and crew. You don't want to miss a single episode, so make sure to like and subscribe every single week so that you can stay up to date with everything happening right now in sports. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, people listening across the world. This is Uneducated Sports Talk Podcast, episode number 14. I'm your host, Carlos Clayton. Uh, We just broke down a little bit of uh, Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury with Fury getting the best of Deontay Wilder for sure. Uh, But... We want to talk about another first of Uneducated Sports talk podcast. Uh, we want to break down women's college basketball. And when I say women's college basketball, I mean the woman of college basketball. We're talking about Sabrina Ionescu. And I mean the point guard from Oregon. She is literally must-see TV, and I don't say that for most women, cause in my opinion, God forgive me, ladies don't hate me, but I'm not a big fan of watching women's basketball. I'm just not, um, you know. <coughs> I will watch it, and I watch uh, basically like the Elite Eight, Final Four, and the championship game. I'm that kind of guy. I watch that, but I'm not about to sit there and just watch a random game on TV. But when Sabrina Inescu comes in, oh, I tune in, cause little mama's bad. She she's a bad. She's a bad basketball player. I mean, and look, when you do things and not just not saying that women are uh, men are superior to women because we're, we're not. But when when a woman has done something that even a man hasn't achieved, you know, you are doing something special. And not only in one category, but in two categories. Twenty-six triple doubles. Yes, she just got her twenty-six triple double by beating Stanford uh, uh Cardinals. Talk about it in just a second. Twenty-six triple doubles leads all players in division one uh basketball, all college basketball in triple doubles. And she's done that and she's doubled it. The next person is twelve. Twenty-six triple doubles. Oh, by the way, she's the first person ever to get a total two thousand points, one thousand assists, and she just got her one thousand rebound against Stanford. This woman is electric. She is not only a great women's basketball player, but she's a great basketball player. Kobe Bryant said the best: There are some females who can actually come to the NBA and be good. And I believe him. There are some females. Uh Sabrina, she's one of those rare. I just like. I like the way she plays. If I always said if I was in the NBA, or no, if I played in a significant league, what kind of player would I want to be? I want to be that Russell Westbrook, uh, that that Sabrina Ionescu type. I want to have the triple double, the 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 you know. I want the 15 points and the uh, 11 rebounds and the 12 assists. I want to be that person because that means you have the ball in your hands, a ton. You know, I want to be the guy of the ball. I want to be one to make decisions. And uh, that's why we fall in love with the triple double, with LeBron Jameses and the Russell Westbrook and the James Hardens, uh, the Chris Paul. We fall in love with those type of players who get triple doubles on a semi-decent basis. Why we love the Magic Johnson, because he had the ball in his hands. Sabrina Ionescu was no different. We love to see her because she makes magic when she has the ball in her hand. And I am just so happy to say that I'm proud of this young lady. And, the way she did it was spectacular. People don't realize she literally was up all night. She had to do the speech for the Kobe Bryant uh, Memorial. That was on February 24th. So uh, she did the speech. How Kobe was the reason why she wanted to do basketball. She had been up all day. Then had to fly back to play a game in Stanford on the road. This is a road game against a uh, a great opponent. And oh, by the way, you need nine rebounds to get a thousand rebounds for the season. Oh, but she got that in triple double fashion. That means you are ready for the, the big lights, the spotlights. Nothing phases you. That was literally the first time we had a prime time game on a FEMA. Let's just be real. ESPN talked about it for the last two days of the event. She needs nine rebounds to get a thousand rebounds to be the first person ever. Two thousand assists. I mean, two thousand points, a thousand assists, and a thousand rebounds. And for her to come up in that spotlight, because if you think about it, outside of a championship game or Elite Four or, uh, uh, or um, I mean, a Final Four or Elite Eight, no single woman has had so much attention in a twenty-four hour span than Sabrina did. And Sabrina lived up to the hype. Every time she got the basketball, I was glued. And for women's basketball, that's not my nature. I'm not really glued to a single person. Uh, I'm glued to, you know, the team and the head coach. That's how it usually goes down. But to a person, a player in the uh, women's basketball, I was glued to her. Whenever she had the ball in her hand, magic happens. She's going to find that open person. She's going to make that play. And I like the fact she stayed She stayed here for her senior year, not for the glory of having uh, potentially 2,000, 1,000, 1,000. No, she came here for a national championship because she could have easily just went to the WNBA and called a date and go overseas and play a little bit, maybe. Could have easily done that. No. She said, I'm going there to win a championship. Oh, and also, I'll probably get a degree. I don't know where she's at in that field, but she did the right thing, in my opinion, uh, for herself. And I respect that. And, man, she will forever be uh, uh, in the uh, college basketball hall of fame or whatever you want to call it. When I think of women's basketball now, I'm thinking about Sabrina Ionescu. I just like the fact how she plays. It's Steve Nash-like. It's it's almost like Chris Paul-like. She's a general. And in today's basketball, you don't really see... Florida Generals. Chris Paul in the NBA is a, he's the last of a dying breed. Now you got the guys like Russell Westbrook and the, uh, John Morantz coming in now who are dominating uh, point guards who are very athletic. They don't really just focus on passing the ball. There's no one like that anymore. Uh, it's almost like you could be the one or two. It doesn't matter. Chris Paul is a one and he's the last of a dying breed. He is basically a point guard and nothing else. Uh, same thing with Sabrina Ionescu. She is a point guard and nothing else. And she loves to get her hands dirty. She loves to get rebounds. And people call that, and I don't know why people think that is a um, that is tension-grabber stat. No. I want someone who wants to get rebounds. I want someone who wants to pass the ball. I want someone who wants to score. Oh, and she's just good at, so all that hate that Russell Westbrook gets, all those cheap rebounds. No, he got a rebound. Like, he got a rebound. It is not my fault that he's a smaller guy getting those rebounds. It looks better, matter of fact. Sabrina is just the same way. She loves getting those rebounds. She loves getting the dirty, uh, and she plays good defense as well. So, I'm excited. She's one of those players that i actually keep my eye out for for the WNBA, who, whoever she is drafted to. Uh, check her out because, I mean, I just love the way she plays basketball. I'm, I've never really said that about a female. I mean, Deanna Taurasi, I like, uh, I like seeing her. Uh, Brittany Griner had my attention because of her height and, you know, stature in the WBA. Uh, Maya Moore, obviously, because she's probably the, one of the greatest WBA players of all time. Although she's sat out uh, this year and last year, so th- there are some girls who can make things happen. But Sabrina, she's really come to mind. Two thousand points, thousand assists, thousand rebounds in a career, and no one has ever done that. Period. Talking about Magic Johnson. You talking about Michael Jordan. You're talking about great guys in the NBA. Uh no, Hakeem Lodgewands. So those kind of guys who played college basketball. And none of those guys ever done it. But Sabrina Inescu did it. Congratulations to her. Congratulations to the Oregon Ducks. They're a three seed. They're looking really good. They should get a one seed in the um they should get a one seed in the uh, tournament. We'll find out how they go. But they're a great team. I love what they're doing. I love Sabrina Onescu. Man, i am just got like a man crush, a basketball man crush on Sabrina. I really do because I love the way she plays the game. So, um, I mean, if you have a young lady, a young girl that you want to uh, help train on basketball, you want her to look at Sabrina. Like, that's the way you play basketball. Everyone had that mindset. Uh, Not necessarily the skill, but the mindset to do all the little things, all the dirty things, get in there. Be active all the time. The product will be so much better. And I think uh, we're headed that way somewhere. So, I appreciate Sabrina. Thank you for being who you are. Uh, She gave a shout-out to Cole Bryant for that last triple-double. She did her thing, man. So, that's all-around a great woman, all-around a great day for women's basketball, straight up. And I'm proud to say that I was actually watching that game. So, Uh, we'll be right back, y'all. Uh... Almost done with this, but we'll be right back Out one more segment. We're going to talk about the XFL. This is man's product. I haven't broke that down uh, since I gave it the uh, pre-talk on it before week one. So we'll break all that down just more, man. So this is Uneducated Sports Talk Podcast. I am the host, Carlos Clayton. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. This is Uneducated Sports Talk Podcast, episode 14. Thank y'all. Once again for being a part of this. I love doing this, man. Well, we got everything going down, but three weeks ago, my last, my last one, my last episode, episode 13, I, I talked about the XFL. And this was like before it started. I wonder how it's gonna be. Well now three weeks later, my next episode, episode 14, Uneducated Sports Talk Podcast, I wanna break down the first three weeks of the XFL. And look, it's either gonna be really good or it's gonna be really bad. And like we saw the preview in 2001, it was really bad from the start. Everything was fine, the promotion, but it was all about the gameplay. You can promote whatever you want, but if it sucks, it sucks. Like ESPN promoted the mess out of De- uh, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, and the actual fight sucked. Not from what happened, but just because it went seven rounds, we were expecting 12. That's, that's, that kind of puts a dent. But no, the XFL, it was either going to be really good or really bad. I'm not sugarcoating nothing. It was really good. It was really good. I look. I have enjoyed the first three weeks now of this. And when you compare the XFL to the AAF. Okay, you got to remember, this is a spring league. Spring leagues aren't supposed to last. You know, because one, you need money. And two, you're facing against the NFL. XFL is in that position. They're not really competitors to the NFL. But they are. They they they're not going all out like we hate the NFL, but they're not also saying, uh yeah, NFL's king and yeah. They're not they're not bound down to the NFL. No. I like that. But here's the one thing. There's a guy out there, 2001, the creator of the XFL, a guy named Vince McMahon. And he was all over the place. Every time you heard XFL, you heard, you heard Vince. Uh, you heard how Vince said the extreme fun league compared to the NFL's no fun league. He was all up in the business. He hasn't said a word to the public in the first three weeks of the league. And he doesn't need to. And that was a great thing because he said, I want to really establish this as a professional football league. No more of that crazy cheerleader stuff. No more of the crazy antic commercials, no more of the WWE backstage stuff, the WWF, whatever it was back in those days. No more of that. I'm going to hush my mom because I know if people see me, they immediately think WWE. They think fake, they think wrestling, they think it's, uh, everything's planned, everything's uh calculated. No, 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 no. He has stayed out of the business, even though he is the man. He is the man of the XFL. The one thing he has done and it's great, he has not stuck his nose in the business. And that's why the XFL is doing so much better from the first goal. But let's break this down though. I like the XFL because it's actually creating stars. You got stars in this and for the right reasons. Not because of a nickname, he hate me, or uh, not because of a, a, a silly play. No, there's actually stars on here because of... Gameplay, what they done on the field, P.J. Walker or Philip Walker, whatever you want to call him these days, he is an absolute star. He is the reason why the XFL, if it continues this route, is going to succeed. He's there because he never got his chance in the NFL. It's not that he wasn't great, cause we don't know. When you're starting behind Andrew Luck and uh, you're starting behind Jacob Brissett, well, you're never gonna get your chance to. Have a meaningful game in the NFL. You're never going to get your chance. So what you do is you take that chance to the XFL. They see what you do. And now you can get that chance to be maybe a backup. Maybe a starter in the NFL. You never know. But you're actually showcasing your talent. For guys, for XFL who just won. Maybe just weren't good enough. Or injury. Or you just never had your chance. You You never fit the right scheme. Those players. These aren't scrubs. No, these aren't scrubs at all. Though These are guys who are basically 40 through 53 on the NFL roster. Those are those guys that come to the XFL who are trying to have a chance to start, to get paid. Uh, not paid a lot, but to start, to showcase their chances, a showcase the talent for a chance to actually go to the NFL. Um, so they got something brewing here. The first two weeks have been amazing, man. I mean, there's a few slow games here and there, but you expect it. But... The one thing that XFL has that basically, on the AF thing was parody. The first three weeks now, there's been great parody. Even the 0-3 Tampa Bay Vipers lost by four points to the number one overall team, the Houston Roughnecks. 28 24 That last, um, was it that score? I don't know what that score was. But, <coughs> uh, but it, was, it was a close game. It was a one-score game. The worst team versus the best team. It was a one-score game. When the Los Angeles Wildcats beat down the D.C. Defenders by scoring 39-9. Now, D.C. came in at 2-0. Wildcats were 0-2. And Wildcats won. That let me know right there. Yep. We've got parity. We've got parity. And that is all Vincent man won. That's all guys like me won. Because there's no team that we're actually diehard rooting for. I call myself a Tampa Bay Vipers fan. And I, you know, just for the hell of it, I picked the wrong team. They're 0-3. The only winning team in the, uh, in there. But, we got guys like P.J. Walker throwing to uh, guys like uh, like Cam Phillips, who has like seven touchdowns so far. You never heard of Cam Phillips from Brazilian Tech. You never really hear about him. Well, I guarantee you what? When the season's over, he's going to a uh, ring, ring, call from the NFL. They're going to say, hey, well, we like what you did out there, and we're willing to give you a chance in the NFL uh, to, to give you a chance to be on the roster. That's what's going to happen for the XFL. And if somehow they can kind of make a gateway, because I'll tell you what, it's not. The NFL is not worried one bit about the XFL, nor they should be. NFL is going to remain king forever, not forever, but, you know, for a long time, for the foreseeable future. They're going to be kings. What's going to hurt is college football. And they're not going to hurt necessarily because there's a lot of great fan bases out there who are going to watch their teams regardless. But it's tough when you're watching but you could be watching 5 star recruits, now you start to watch 4 star recruits cause those 5 star recruits are actually going to the XFL to make some yeah, some cash guys who have academic problems guys who are uh, not seeing any playing time instead of transferring from school to school to school to school to to get that like the Kelly Bryants maybe they go to the XFL I wanna go to the XFL while I have my um, NFL uh, eligibility still on the line I can go to the XFL and make about $55,000 and then go to the uh, NFL uh, to be draft eligible. So, that's a way, you know, I understand. Teams are going to, people are going to watch their teams regardless of how they are. Uh, if you're a, a LSU fan, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Ohio State fan, you're going to watch your team regardless. But you're going to sit there like, man, we could watch some, like, major, major talent, but they're all going to the XFL. Maybe the XFL goes that route. I don't want to say that right now because we don't don't know because if it does, like Kenny Robinson for the St. Louis Battlehawks. He is the key, and so far he's having a monster season. Uh, and he's gonna be a first round or second round pick, maybe in the NFL draft. He came out from West Virginia, had eligibility problems, academic problems. I mean, so I mean, he's the real key, and so far so good. Um, but I'm telling you, and he's making money. So you know, he couldn't make that money in college. <laughs> in college, let's just to be honest, it isn't for everybody. You know, that's just a straight of truth. You see all these one and done guys in in basketball college, they're gone. And, One year, hell, half a year, because they're not doing nothing. I promise you that. But it's exciting football. Good football is what you wanted. You wanted because they promoted it well. They did a a good job of promoting it, but they didn't put all their assets into promoting it. XFL put all their assets into promoting the XFL the first go-around. They didn't put a lot of assets into promoting this one, but they made sure the product on the field was good. And it's been damn good so far. And you knew that the first one or two weeks is going to be kind of slow-ish. And then as the teams get better, the defense is always going to be ahead of the offense. But then around the fourth, fifth, sixth week, the offense is going to be right there with the defense. Then you're going to see really, really, really good football. Uh, You got guys like uh, Martez Carter, uh, We didn't know about him. Mr. Excitement for the Los Angeles Wildcats, the guy doing flips now. So now he has a semi-brand, and he he can showcase what he can do. He made some great, fantastic plays for his team. So we're going to see guys like him become somewhat stars of the league now who can get their chance. Uh, 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 We got uh, Josh Johnson, the former NFL quarterback, who looks like he could be the best quarterback in the league when it's all said and done. For the Wildcats. He's come out look good. Uh, we had uh uh Landry Jones, who started off, he didn't he missed the first game, but the first the next two games, he looks better. Um, every game. And I think once he gets to that fourth, fifth, sixth game himself, he's gonna be a whole lot better. Man, this got some, some stars in this league. It's gonna be a great watch. And, uh Cameron Artist Payne for St. Louis Battlehawks or Jordan Tiamu, uh the quarterback, those guys are making a name. That St. Louis Battlehawks dome it was amazing to watch. 30,000 people all in basically union together uh, rooting for this one team. And in the Seattle Dragons, they had the 30,000 guys in Seattle. The fans are pumped up. So, great fan is going on for both of these squads. And look, I was surprised when I saw 18,000 people show up in Tampa Bay to watch the O and 2 Vipers, knowing they had a great chance of losing. I think they lost again 34-27. Matter of fact, I think it was 34-27. One score game. So, uh, I apologize for that 2024 20, score. But when I saw they packed 18,000 people in Tampa Bay to watch uh, 5% that was 0 2 against the best team, I was like, oh, they got something going on here. People still showed up for that game, and it was a great performance from Tampa Bay. Uh, so I'm really enjoying it. Even the bad stuff like the New York Guardians who are bad, but boy, they had some publicity, Matt McGowan, basically shooting his coaching staff down, throwing him under the bus, saying we got to change everything, he became an instant media uh, frenzy, for the XFL, and I'm, I'm the one that says, hey, all publicity is good publicity, bump it, whether it's bad, messy, drama like, it's still publicity, it was all in the airways of ESPN, and Fox Sports, and uh, all the above, like guys like me talking about it, so I mean, I'm excited for it, um, uh, you know, you take it good and you're bad, but if you saw the St. Louis home openers and you saw the Seattle home openers and you saw Dallas Renegades home opener where they opened up in that new Texas Ranger Stadium, I mean, it all looks good and it's a nice product. And you know, it's going to last for at least three years. Vince, he already knows he's going to lose money, but the main goal is to get these TV contracts uh, to give him money to get his money back after three years. I think they got a nice product, they got some great uh, guys. Doing this. I'm telling you. The XFL is something to watch. If you haven't watched it. Give it a chance. I promise you. Give it a chance. The games are faster. The games are more exciting. Um, The kickoffs are spectacular. Uh, The insight you get from head coach to quarterback. Telling them to play is exciting. Even the booth reviews are exciting. Because you see the whole entire process. And I guarantee you. The NFL is going to steal about 50% of what the XFL is doing. I promise you it's going to happen. Uh. But I mean, I'm loving XFL so far. I have no complaints on it right now. Obviously, you're gonna get guys who just can't really horn really good. There's a few, there's about three teams that have quarterback issues. But think about it: in the NFL, there's 32 teams. I can name maybe eight or nine excellent to really good quarterbacks. All right, now you got about 22 to 23. Okay, decent to bum quarterbacks. So, if you take those percentages, it's not a great percentage in the NFL. So, the XFL, you got five decent quarterbacks. You got three quarterbacks. It's kind of ho-hum. We'll see. So, it's just like the NFL. So, I want to hear about all the... Now, quarterback play is key for an eight-man team. Those three quarterbacks or four quarterbacks are doing really good. They're going to show out more than 23 quarterbacks and a 32-man 32 team league, I understand that. But let's not act like there's not bad quarterback play in the NFL there it is. There's a lot. You know. So I understand that. But XFL is something to not be laughed at. It's something to not just uh underestimate it. Cause look, uh I love it. I love it. It's great football. It's quick. It's only about three hours long. Uh, halftime is only 10 minutes, so it's going by real quick, and it's exciting. Even if the gameplay isn't all that good, everything going around it, the interviews are excellent. I mean, a guy fumbles it or gives an interception, they're going to write to that guy and say, what happened? I like that. You know, so you got to learn to, to take it on the chin and go go about it. And if you don't take it on the chin, you're going to say something like, Matt McGown, like, uh, you know, we all suck. Throw him under the bus. <laughs> and that's great TV. So it's getting major insight. I, and the major thing is Vince McMahon hasn't said a word about it. Uh, Oliver Luck has done a fantastic job being the commissioner of this league. He's represented the XFL. Vince has done a great job of keeping his mouth shut and uh, letting the league play out. Uh, I know he wants to talk so bad, but he understands business is business, and if I want business to start booming, I need to be quiet, and I respect it from Vince, because he's not that kind of guy in real life. He's real brassy, and he's real uh, big about his product, and XFL is giving guys another opportunity for a chance to either, hey, you want to stay in XFL and you know get the fame and, the, and money and nice living, or do you want to take a chance and go to the NFL and take a chance from the XFL experience, so... It's a great thing. It's a win-win situation. I think it's going great. It's going so much better. You already heard in the AF, by week two, they were out of money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Out of money. We're going into week four of the XFL, and it's been a great product. Uh, Best team is Houston Roughnecks for 3-0. Second best team is uh, St. Louis Battlehawks for 2-1. Then you got maybe D.C. Defenders, Los Angeles Wildcats, the uh, Dallas Renegades are all right there. Then you got your lower teams like Seattle Dragons, uh, Tampa Vipers, and the New York Guardians. But it's great product on the field. And I'm not lying to you guys. It's a must-watch. Check it out. Matter of fact, they play tomorrow. First game, I believe, is... Los Angeles at New York. I'm actually going for New York because I want them to win, <laughs> so, you know, so I can stop the bleeding. Uh, that starts at 1 o'clock uh, Central Time, 2 o'clock Eastern Time. So check that out, man. I, I like what's going on, I'm and I'm happy for the product, man. So that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. This is episode 14 of Uneducated Sports Talk Podcast. I really enjoyed this. I'm going to try and bring more content to you guys more and more uh, throughout the week as we go. Uh, probably get my NBA experts in here, NFL experts as well. bring all that down, man. So I'm happy to, to uh, you know, do this. We'll probably talk a little bit NFL Combine. We'll see what go, what's going on in the NBA as well on our next episode. Um, you know, so we'll see about that. But anyways, I enjoyed it. Hope you guys enjoyed it as well, man. Um, my name is Carlos Clay. I'm your host. This is uneducated sports talk, the podcast episode number 14, and we are out. As always, sports fans, you guys know what time it is. Stay smart. Stay uneducated. Peace.